Welcome to the Mindset Unleashed Today podcast. My name is Tommy Gucciato, and I'm excited to share my insights and experiences with you to help you shift your mindset and improve your life. Now, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring different areas of life, discussing how to make positive changes. Now, I'll be doing this by interviewing guests who can provide additional perspectives and their experiences. I believe that by making a mindset shift, we can all unleash our full potential and create the lives we want to live. I hope you'll join me on this journey. Welcome, everybody, to the Mindset Unleashed Today podcast, where we focus on the power of the mind and how it transforms your life on a daily basis. You know, we're starting our second season, and really, really, I'm really excited about that. You know, I have a new staff and new people to help me grow this podcast and get it out to more people. And, you know, I couldn't be more excited to have Marcus Smith II as my first guest. This guy is truly inspirational. I mean, you know, former NFL player turned mental advocate. You know, um, that's phenomenal. You know, like what he goes through on a daily basis, like in the NFL, had to be like so tough and so stressful, you know. And, and, and I did a little, you know, I looked a little bit about you. Like you started as a quarterback, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, so you must have been a star in your community. Everybody look up to you. You go to Louisville and then you become, you know, just a man on the roster, right? And you made yourself into a defensive end, right? Outside linebacker. And, and you kind of grew and you became a first round draft. Like that had to be tremendously stressful. And the draft that you were in, that was crazy. Yeah. You had Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. It, was, it was a lot of, of defense at the end, pass rushers. Yeah, Khalil Mack was in that draft, right? Yeah, that's kind of why I was I think that's why I went as early as I did. I was probably like six on the draft board. Right. So a lot of. Yeah, but you know, it's it's amazing to think, you know, the journey for what you went to and then becoming a first round draft pick, you know, and and being popular, right? And being like, you know, the Eagles expected something out of you. Like right? well, what did that do to you like on a daily basis? What kind of pressure did you want? How'd you how'd you deal with that? Man, it was it was a lot of pressure and it was it was something that I had never dealt with before. Right. If you go all the way back to when I was in Pee Wee, my father coached me all the way up until I was about 11, 12 years old. And the reason he stopped coaching me was because the parents were getting mad because they felt like the only reason I was playing was because my dad was coaching. So I had adversity throughout each part of my life, but I had just never really dealt with the, those adversities, those things that, that caused me to have anxiety, those things that caused me to be depressed. So over time, once I got to the NFL, those things that I didn't address started to weigh on me a lot more once I got to the league, because now you have money involved, you have politics right. involved, you have fans, right. you have the coaches. And you're under the lights every single day. Man. Right. You're like, everything that you do is probably magnified. Yeah. Like, you know, a regular business guy or a regular guy going to work, you know, all right, yeah, you might not be able to, to meet some, but there's not a photographer snapping a picture at you when you walk at, out of practice or out of a restaurant. So, right. so that's got to be stressful. Yeah, no, it is. In, in order to extend your career, you have to play well. Right. Right. And so you have to be able to separate, okay, the love for the game and the business side right. of the game. And that was hard for me because... I just love football. I ain't really want all the other stuff, right. you know. But um, 
it was it was definitely tough on me, especially my first my first three years uh, being in being in Philly. I didn't I didn't play very well when I was in Philly, right? But I understand that that kind of made me the man I am today, right. too, as well. Right. Why do you think you played well? For me, I didn't play well because I just thought that I wasn't good enough, right? I'm on the field with Jason Peters. I'm on the field with Brandon Graham, Connor Barwin, T. Cole, like all of these guys. I'm actually playing under them. And my first year, I just felt like, man, like, am I doing enough? And, and am I the person that uh, they drafted? Right. So that, those thoughts were going through my head. And then once I actually started to get it and started to click, because I didn't play that much my first year. Mm -hmm. The second year, I ended up tearing my hamstring. Right. So my career is starting to go better on up and up, and then and now I get hurt. So now that's another obstacle and another thing that I have to face to get over mentally right. to be able to play. And, then, you know, by the time your third year hits, I've only got one year. Being a first-rounder, you only really get about three years to be successful, Right. right? And so it's like if you're a businessman and you invest in something, right, you want to see some return on it, right? Exactly. So for me, they invested in me early, but they didn't see any return fast enough. Right. And so that's, you know, how, how that That's happened. the money part of it. That's right. the business part of it. Right. And you get caught up in that and it kind of, you know, messes with your mind and messes yep. with your emotions. Now, do you think, you know, I know this is a question you probably don't can't answer, but maybe you could, right? Mm -hmm. The person you want now. If you had that in you, do you think you would have been a better athlete or a better football player? Man, that is a good question. I think that everything happens for a reason. Right. Um, I wouldn't change anything that happened to me. You know, I was the first one in my family who ever made it that far. I didn't really have anybody to go to going into the league to talk about, hey, what to expect, mm -hmm. what I should be doing, how things will be. Right, because I came from Louisville, the fans are not as passionate right. as as Philly. Oh, right, that's crazy. But, hey, man, they have a jail cell <laughs> right. in their stadium, so that's that just tells you something right there, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. I would not change anything about how everything went because it shaped me to to be the man I am today. And if I wouldn't have went through those things, I wouldn't be a mental health advocate. I wouldn't be a life coach. I wouldn't be helping other football players get through the same things that uh, I went through because at the same time you have those guys who are the Aaron Donalds of the world, the BGs of the world, those premier athletes but then you have those athletes where the majority of those athletes are probably like 80% of those athletes mm -hmm. are like me. Right. And so that's why I am big on mental health and, and what I do because I know that majority of the athletes deal with that. Right. Right. Whether or not you play in the league or not. Right. But it's the rest of the world deals with that. Right? Yeah. It's not yeah. just athletes. Right. This is a this is a world problem. Like, yeah. you know, there's yeah. too much pressure on people to to exceed, you know, to to, to be something. Yeah. And it's very, very hard nowadays, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, I was reading, you know, about, you know, your whole situation and how you you know, with the Seahawks and mm -hmm. you know, how you try to commit suicide. And I gotta tell you something, right? So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about myself. You know, I'm in recovery. I'm in recovery for about 14 years, six months, and you know, like 15 days, right? And what you had was a spiritual awakening, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that phone call yeah. was a spiritual awakening. And that's what we talk about in recovery. 
And it's it just crazy how, you know, it took me a long time to understand that. They used to be like, just call somebody. Yeah. Just make a phone call. You got the phone call, luckily, this time. Yeah. But you know how many people don't make that phone call? Right. And how many people don't get that? Because it's just the, the, the change of your demeanor, right? Like, it's a mindset thing. Right. You know, you heard your wife's voice, mm-hmm. right? And then you went on again, and maybe I'll just injure myself this time. Yeah. Right? Like, what takes somebody to get to that point? Like, it's just crazy what, what the mind does to get to that point. And then you got another phone call. Mm-hmm. Those two phone calls saved your life. Yep. Right? So and put you on a path to where you are today, you know? Yeah. And that's, there's so many people that don't get that. And you're lucky right now. Man, I am, I, I am a lucky person, for real. Um, you know, by the grace of God, I am still here. Right. And that is what I live by. That's what I talk about that's something that uh also shaped me to the person i am right today right being in seattle you know i would say how a person gets there because i know you asked kind of asked that question right how does a person really get to that point right as men right we mask everything mm-hmm. we don't like to talk about nothing right right and women do that too right because um, they have to put on this facade like they're strong because mm-hmm. when they go into the industries and doing different things, right, um, you know, men can look, that, look at them in a, in a different way. So they put on this strong act too. But I think that because we as men don't talk about the things that we've seen, the traumatic events that have happened in our lives, think about me being eight years old, my first anxiety attack, and I never addressed that one thing. Right. So it was major anxiety attacks after that. Then it was parts of my life where I had depression. So these things I never addressed. So now being in Seattle, I'm what, like 26, 27. Now that's all that weight from eight all the way to 27. On your shoulders, on your head, you know, carry it with you. And I didn't think I could talk to a therapist. I I didn't want to talk to anybody because I'm like, okay, if upstairs knows, that I'm talking to a therapist, are they gonna say I'm mentally weak or I'm not mentally ready to play? Right. I've already had a target on my back because I didn't play well in Philly. Exactly. So that's what I'm thinking. So I'm coaches asking me, like, hey man, you good? I'm you know, great. I got I got bags under my right. eyes. I ain't been sleeping. I'm doing great. I've been having anxiety attacks <laughs> in my sleep, everything. Right. So that's how I got to that point. Cause it wasn't that I truly wanted to kill myself it was more so i wanted to get rid of the pain and i wanted to do anything to get rid of that pain yeah and like you know i totally relate with you because like and you said something interesting that that for me you know resonates like you know what happened made you the man you are right though you know like i went through crazy things like i was incarcerated losing family you know losing my my kids you know along that way using drugs and, and, you know, you talk about that whole man thing, you know, you, like I cry to that. Like yeah. I'm okay to cry. Like if I feel yeah. like I have to, I'll cry. Like I went so many years with that, like men don't cry, men don't talk, men yeah. don't say anything. So when I came into recovery, you know, they said, get a sponsor, talk to a man. I'm like, why would I want to talk to a man? <laughs> like, yeah. why do I want this man to know my, my, my weaknesses basically? Yeah. Because in my, my world, if you're not a weakness, 
Just like you on a football field, if a player knows you're mentally unfit or something like that, that's a weakness. They go after you, right? Yeah. And that's the game plan. Go after Marcus, right? The same thing with me. Like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Like, but once you start opening up and, and, and getting those breakthroughs, man, you know, it's like a relief is lifted from you. And I know, listen, I never tried to commit suicide. I never, but I had those feelings. I had that depression. I had those black days where, you know, everything was going great, but I still think everything sucked. Right. It's like right? a black cloud. Oh, it just always following you. It's always over your head, right? Yep. You know, and, and, you know, a lot of that stems, and you, and you talking about that, like an anxiety attack at eight years old. Like, that that just boggles my mind, right? Yeah. And nothing was done about it. It's like, all this stuff that happens to people, it stems from children, yeah. right? Like, because we don't know how to deal with stuff. And maybe our parents don't know how to deal with stuff, and it's not their fault or anything. But, like, so now, how would you talk to a younger athlete today? Like, how would you tell them? You know, to speak to somebody. Like, what is your what's your message to them? Man, I, I usually say to athletes who are going through a mental health struggle or can't really speak to to someone or scared to speak, I always say it's about education, mm-hmm. right? First, so what we have to do is we have to acknowledge that we have an issue, and how we acknowledge that we have an issue is through um, someone like me speaking about my story, right? Right. So when you hear my story and it's similar to yours, that creates some type of vulnerability. Of course. Right? So when they hear the vulnerability, then they can speak up, they can speak out and say something. Now, what comes to mind, like if you have someone who looks like me, right? Only 6% of therapists are African-American, right? But at the same time, my therapist is white, right? right? And there are good therapists out there that don't necessarily look like you, right? right? So we have to break that barrier right. too as well. You don't always have to have someone that looks exactly like you, right? And we have to be able to meet them where they are. So my point of reference is that's why I became a life coach because how can I meet them where they are and be a bridge for them to get the help that they so desire? So if they can trust me, then they can trust the therapist, right? Exactly. Because they're going to trust me to put them with the, with the right person, regardless of if they're black, white, mm-hmm. Asian, no matter what they are. Right. So my thing to, to kids is, hey, first, let's, let's teach you education behind what you may be feeling. Let's acknowledge that you have an issue. Right. And let's let's get you with the right person that can actually help you. Right. So yeah. Oh, that's great, man. You know, and I see a lot of you know similarities like between what you went through and what I went through as you know, recovering addict, and they're basically the same. You know, it's a stigma. Like, you know, for me, you know, maybe I'm a businessman, right? right? But I'm going into, you know, the recovery, you know, world and there's somebody that might be unemployed. Yeah. But that unemployed person could save my life on a daily basis, right? So we don't have to, we we can't worry what color we are or what race we are or how big or how tall we are. It's just about how somebody can help each other, you know? And and I see it today, you know, it's very, very hard. And I don't know if you, you you know, I have younger kids and, you know, it's stressful out there. It's a stressful world out there. You know, and a lot of these kids have serious problems. You know, they're addicted to their phones. 
you know, it's instant gratification, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the communication. You know, when I was a kid, we used to go out and, you know, play outside all day. Now I used to tell my kids to go outside, outside, what do we do outside? Yeah, you yeah. know, it's crazy, but that's the world that we're in. And, you know, we have to educate them. Yeah. You know, we have to educate them that there's better ways, you know? There are better ways. It, it's what I do with my kids now. I have a two-year-old and I have a four-year-old, right? She had a lot of sleepless nights. <laughs> not, not really. Not really? Used to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, you know, my wife, she... She's good like that? Yeah, but she, she would have... We, we had some sleepless nights. That was <laughs> earlier, right. right? Unless our kids get sick and then right. they won't sleep with us. They won't be up on the rest. But, of course, you know, with, with our kids and what you were saying, I think that, too, like when it comes to the phones, you know, limiting their screen time. Right. Too, right, because your phone will tell you how long yeah. you've been on there. Yeah, right? Sometimes I look at mine, and you crazy. realize you can, there are statistics that say, like, if your child has been on a screen for too much long, they're more irritable, like, they're more less likely to listen to what you have to say because right. they want to be on that screen. So, it's really about introducing them to things that are good with their hands or. Uh, things that are outside, right? And get them uh, in a way where they don't feel like they need that, right? right? Like you can use it, right? But don't abuse it, right? That's just like anything, just right? Just like anything in life, right? Right, right. You know, but sometimes, you know, our, our behaviors take over and we want to abuse stuff. Yeah. You know? All right, so are there things being done like in the NFL? Like, do you still work with the NFL? Yeah, so uh, I do... We were just at the NFL getaway. Um, it's something that the NFL does every year for all the legends. Um, legends is meaning all the, the guys who play in the NFL. Right. And we did a uh, speaking series, basically, uh, for all the guys. And it was three of us. Um, and we just brought mental health to the table. And we had a roundtable discussion with the guys. So that was really good. And I think that's what the NFL is moving more towards now because Mental health was really a big topic, especially after COVID. That right. was like, oh yeah, <laughs> that was. I mean, that's sad. Not able to perform. Yeah, not able to do what you're supposed to I do. I mean, think about playing football with no fans in the stands. That's crazy. Like that's just crazy. I couldn't. It doesn't even it. make sense to me. No, it's like you have. Like, you want to run out of that tunnel and hear them yelling and screaming, right? That's what you work hard for all week. Right, and then think about the average day person, right, being at home and, and not being able to really. Well, you can go outside, but you feel like you can't go outside because of the stuff that's in the air. Right, right. No, I mean, you're terrified. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, that that was a lot. But in the NFL, um, I commend the NFL because they are um, standing on what they believe in. And then also they're moving to the forefront when it comes to, to the mental health right. um, stuff. So um, we, we working with, with guys. It's been it's been a true treat because I get to get them before they even <laughs> start, but then also some of the guys afterwards they be asking questions about what I went through, and then they'll start to say, "Yo, I'm dealing with that too." Right. So, but that's good because now right. you now you you are them, right? Yeah, you yeah. are a draft pick, you are a football player. You put your life into this, yeah. and they can see, all right, it's okay. He stepped up. Right, and he's talking about it, yep. and it gives other people the opportunity to step up. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you look at baseball players, you look at basketball players, and, and I know we're talking about sports because you're you're into 
you're an NFL film, NFL player, but you know, we could grow into a businessman or anything, right? You know, and listen, I'm a businessman. I'm stressed every single day. I'm on the performance every single day. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. So it's it's the same thing. It's just that I don't have a, somebody sending <coughs> a picture at me, you know, or you know, putting me in the newspaper. Right. But you know, you look at the other sports, and beside a quarterback in the NFL, or maybe you know, an offensive lineman, longevity of players isn't that long, yeah. right? So to me, you know, mental health has to be really worked on. You know, like, because you worked all your life to get there. And if you have three-year lifespan, you know, for a running back, let's say, like, what do you do after that? Like, your whole life was dedicated to this sport, and now it's gone, right? Yeah. So it's not just the, the getting to it. It's yeah. the after yeah. that, you know, has to be depressing. It has to be – do you work with guys after the fact, too, or are you just kind of helping guys that are in the process, right? Yeah, even after this, I was just, a guy just actually just, just texted me. Um, I'm helping him. Uh, he's going through the process, and he had an injury out of nowhere right. that the doctor said you can't play anymore. So think about not being able to play anymore. That's not what you had planned to do. Right. Right? And you ain't got nothing else planned because football is like, that's my that's your life. Like the, <laughs> the Kobe mentality, right, in football. Right. And so that's the, the thing that I always try to, to navigate through because I understand where they were when they were doing that. And then, and then football seemed like it got snatched right. right from them. Right. That's the anxiety, really. And the pressure really sets in because now you're back at home. Right. right? Especially if you have kids. Right. You're trying to insert yourself into an environment that you are not necessarily ready to be in right so you feel like you're not supposed to be there exactly. almost and so you become in a depressed state and then that's when usually when i get to talk to them and i get to meet them where they are and say hey this is what i dealt with these are some of the things that that i did to to get through that and help them understand it's not going to go away right but it's a journey Right. This is, you know, we. This is a journey that we. I, I have days where it's like, like, do I got to work hard one more day? Right. 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 But I have to use what I've learned. Right. I may have to call like, hey, I gotta, we gotta schedule something. Right. I need to dump. I need right. to get this all off my right. chest. No, right? that's what you. Let's talk about this right now. This helps me a lot too. Right. Because I get to talk about it and dump it out. Right. Because that's important. The more that you. Take it from the back of your brain, push it to the front of your brain, right. release it out your mouth, the more that you will free yourself. Right. So Yeah, just a free it's just a freeness, right? Yeah. Like, you know, what do they say, you're only as sick as your secrets. So if you're holding everything inside oh, of you man, that's a good one. and it just it's yeah. just buried inside of you, yeah. you know, like it just festers. Yeah. And it festers. And then bad decisions happen, you know, negativity comes in your life. And and you know, listen. There's enough negativity in this world today that I don't need any more of it, right? Yeah. So, you know, I just try to work on myself on a daily basis. And that's all we can do. Right. Take it one day. Like, you know, it's one day. Like, like I never understood that process. Like, when I first came into the recovery, they always say one day at a time. It always bothered my mind. But, you know, like, if you have today, and listen, we're not perfect. I'm yeah. going to yell at somebody today. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm going to argue with somebody today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I might be nice to somebody today also. Right? And I might do some good stuff. But at the end of the day, if I can put my 
head down on the pillow and I could just have another day, you know, that's the beauty of life, you know? And, and, you know, you just want to grow on a daily basis, you know? And, you know, I know you you talked about being a life coach and you talked about, you know, you have the circle event. Maybe you want to tell everybody like what it does and because I know it's a nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. And you help, I think you help on the you know, on the privileged women as well, right? Yeah, so people, so I had two two nonprofits. Um, one was the M2 Foundation, uh, but we transformed what I was doing with that to the circle of them um, because I wanted to focus more on uh, just people in general when it came to mental health, right? right? So what the circle of them is, uh, our mission is we unmask the feelings that cause anxiety and depression. And the reason that I started, obviously, I went through the suicide situation mm-hmm. um, in 2018. And then once I went through that and I actually started therapy, I started to find out who the real Marcus Smith was, started to find myself again. I started to talk to my teammates. And these are teammates that are still playing today mm-hmm. and that you, everybody will probably know of. Right. You know, I'm not going to say any names. No, no. Once I was vulnerable enough, to step away from the game because of that. Right. Once I took my mental health seriously, what happened was I came back in the locker room to get my stuff. I had multiple guys talking to me about what they were going through. Right. And what they had dealt with it and how they knew, bro. I, I just I was just muscling through that, man. I, right. I, I was just dealing with that right. three weeks ago. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's what it's that's what it's for. And um, and it's not just for athletes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Because you know I'm an athlete. That's right. generally like what comes up. But it's just important for people in general to unmask their feelings that that cause that. Right. Right. Because if if you have a mask on for your whole entire life, eventually you're gonna have to take it off. One hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So that's why even my brand and what you see is a half helmet, half face. Right. Because I want you to take it off. Right. You know what I mean. I want you. You know, unmask what what you've been dealing with. Right. So that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's great, man. That's great that we can do that. You know, and that's what was that feeling like when you know? I mean, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but mm-hmm. like when you knew football was over. Like I know you went through. I know you. You know you you were okay with yourself the way you were, but like that's got to be like I don't know. Like I'm gonna. I have a, my own business. I don't even know if I walked in today. Like how I would feel. I would say I'm done. Man. Like, that's got to be when you put your life into something. When you're a kid, man, and you're playing football, that's all that's on your mind. Right. So you're never thinking, like, you think you're going to play forever. Right. You know what I mean? And so I had this goal of playing 10 years. Obviously, I played six. But I walked away, and then I came back at the end of the year. Right. And I played with the Redskins. At okay. the end of the year, so I, I went, I left and got therapy. Seen my daughter born. Right. Told my agent, like, hey, I want to at least finish the year out. Right. I finished the year out. So that was a, a big accomplishment for me. Right. Because I was able to come back, finish those last four games out, get my final season. But then after that, that's when the real work began right. because I had never not played football since I was five in September. Right. So I'm in the house watching the games, and I remember 
being in, and there's a lot of private football players that can attest to this. In August, my body just starts feeling weird. Like, it starts getting in, like, hyperflight mode. Right. Like, I'm about to get ready to. Right, because you know that you've been training like that your whole life. Man. August, you're going out there, even as a kid in high school, right? Man. Pop Warner, you, August, you were getting yourself ready. And then I, I was I was so irritable. Um, just about every little thing. I remember uh, being in Seattle. It was my, I had my last concussion. I was probably by like third or fourth concussion. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was just a very hard time because it forced me to sit down, be with my family, be intuitive with my, my kids, right? And, and actually work on myself. Right. And that is a, that was a hard thing for me to do. So what I ended up doing, I ended up, um, ended up going out to APN. APN is a mental health facility. If anyone who knows who ever wants to go out there, I uh, went out there for 30 days, Right. 30 days therapy every day, but it changed my life. Right. And so once I came back home, man, I was, I was definitely a better man. And, and I was just more consistent with what I was doing and, and how I went about my, my daily business. Right. But I'm gonna tell you, man, two years, cause I didn't go until like two years after. Right. Two years, it was like the toughest <laughs> thing ever not to be playing football, right. man. It's just like, who am I right. outside of this helmet? Right. So, yeah. So, when did you, are you Marcus now? Like, is this the Marcus? Yeah. This that is, you want to be and, or you have more growth? This is like a caterpillar. Right. Right. I was a caterpillar. Oh, look how nice you said yeah, I'm just a beautiful so butterfly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's who I am now. This The person that I am now is what God intended for me to be. But he also needed me to go through all the things that I went through in, in my whole entire life. Right. So he can use me in the way that he's using me now. Because guess what? Just like you said, he is alarm. It's crazy. I was right. looking at it. It's like it's, it's 3.5 million. This is just in, a, in the United States. 3.5 million. That's why we got to keep talking about it. Everybody, like, if you know it's very important right to for people to see the vulnerability right right especially in black men right. and, and men in general right it's, it's just important for that because if you don't see it how how will you know that it's okay to right. do that you know no, I mean? you're right like just look what you just said you're a caterpillar right big football player and you got like it was almost emotional yeah like when you said that yeah. Right. And that's the vulnerability. Right. And, you know, for me, it, it, it's it's always been like people say, well, you went to jail. You went to, you know, you were a drug addict. Like, right. like ew, almost. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I always say to them, I wouldn't change that for anything. Right. Because yeah, you know. that's who I am now. Right. right. And my kids understand that people in my life understand that. And I'm able to show growth as a, as a human, right? As a man. And, and, and that's the beauty of this thing, right? We just change our philosophies. We change our thought processes. You know, we get better. And we don't have to be someone we're not, right? right? Because we always want to mask. And like you said, you want to unmask, right? And yeah. that's the beauty, man. Just becoming who you are. And just like, who cares? Right. Like, listen, I, I yep. you know, I say this, but I, you know, I say it in a, in a weird way. Like, I don't care what people think about me. It's what I think about me. Right. 
you know? Yep. And, and we talked about yeah. a lot of great stuff here today, you know? Yeah. I'm really happy that you came here today. I'm really happy you're my first. I came too. Yeah, yeah, it came good, right? We had a good time, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, it's just a beautiful thing, a beautiful process. We're able to talk about things, we're able to grow our minds, and we're able to get better on a daily basis. And, you know, if anybody has problems, you know, reach out to Marcus. Why don't you tell them where you're at, Marcus? Like, give them all your social handles yeah. and everything. So, social media, Instagram, MoneyMark91, my nonprofit is the Circle of M. You can always reach out to us. Uh, if there is anything with suicide, um, you can always dial 988. Um, yes. I, I do work with, with them as well. Uh, I'm an ambassador for, for NAMI which is one of the biggest mental health organizations. Uh, they uh, have a lot of resources uh, for you if you are dealing with some mental health issues, but also I'm a life coach. So if you do come to the Circle of Them or anything like that, I can always give you some words of advice, uh, push you in the right direction, or just you know be a listening ear for you. Sometimes that's all it takes is that listening ear. Yep. Right? It's not about anything, you don't have to say nothing. Just listen, and sometimes people feel better just from that alone. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you for coming. You know, I thank you for everybody for listening today. And I, hopefully you got something out of this. You know, Marcus is a great story. You know, follow him on all the social handles. And, you know, you know, also with us, you can follow us on all social handles. There'll be a link in the bio. And, you know, thank you for joining. And we'll see you next week.